wife says me, far as I be knowin'. Having time to snack around in comfort all the year. So when we get a little time before our boat gets going, we head on down to the library and this is what we hear. Come on and look all around, there's plenty for to see. Make your own self right upon my love, the library. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. How did it come about that you are spending time at the Five Finger Lighthouse? Hmm, it's a good question. I guess kind of a bit of good luck, good opportunity, good timing. Um, I was out on a walk on the Raven's Roost Trail with my dog, and I bumped into a, a fellow named Paul Johnson who was out on the same sort of thing, walking his dog out on that trail. And we got talking about the lighthouse. Paul is one of the board members on the Five Finger Lighthouse Society. Okay. And the very next morning, the lighthouse board and some volunteers were heading out to the lighthouse for a volunteer work party. And there, there happened to be one, one more seat on the boat out there, um, the lighthouse board always does a good job of trying to fill up the boat that they have 
with volunteers uh, who are members of the Lighthouse Association or Lighthouse Society. And um, they go out there and help maintain the, the building. So Paul was so kind as to extend me an invite onto the boat that day. And on the way out there, um, I learned about the fact that they're looking to let people know that lighthouse keepers are uh, one of the ways in which the Lighthouse Society maintains the place. Um, Volunteers who spend time during the summer uh, living in the lighthouse and, you know, helping maintain the lighthouse. One of the main philosophies of Five Finger Lighthouse Society is that use is the best preservation method available. Right. So by having someone there living, using the lighthouse, it helps make all the systems long-lasting, you know. Uh, yeah. the, the lighthouse has been there a while, you know. It's the first lighthouse in Alaska. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, it came, it was built or it went online in 1902. Okay. Um, it Sentinel Lighthouse near Juneau, was also turned on the same day. Okay. But construction on Five Finger Lighthouse finished first, so I think Five Finger gets the title of uh, so first lighthouse. Why was Five Finger the first lighthouse? You know, um, there was a survey, uh, an expedition of surveyors traveling throughout southeast Alaska and other coastal areas, um, examining sites for potential lighthouse locations, and Five Finger Islands are, well, they had been a sort of tragic passageway during the Klondike Gold Rush. You know, anybody who could, from San Francisco to Seattle at the end of the 19th century, hopped in a boat and, you know, paddled their way up to... uh, Klondike area, I suppose, but many of them did not make it, you know, and uh, those islands, these were uncharted waters at the time. The tide does a lot of, a lot of action here in (laughs) Southeast, as everybody knows. And at a low tide, you can see the Five Finger Islands kind of make the shape of a bony little skeleton hand (laughs) coming out from the depths, waiting to just pull you down to a soggy fate. And uh, I think it was because of the history of shipwrecks right at that location that out of, I think, dozens of sites that were considered to build lighthouses, uh, Five Finger and Sentinel were the two selected. And at the time, there was a government agency called the U.S. Lighthouse Service. So they went out there and um, built, built on the island. It was built out of wood in the beginning. It was a big two-story house with a light, lighthouse tower sticking up from there, Fresnel lens, um, a mechanic shed, and a boathouse alongside, and a concrete deck with cisterns inside and everything. Um, and uh, it was staffed by a crew of three year-round. There was a, a lead lighthouse keeper and two junior junior keepers who would try to work their way up the ranks. And I'm sure it was a dramatic experience for everybody. Winters must have been brutal out there. Um, 
One example I can, I've heard about was uh, in the winter of 33, the storms were terrible. 30-foot uh, swells, 85-mile-an-hour oh, wow. winds. Hmm. The lighthouse became caked in ice, and all the pipes froze, oh, wow. which was an emergency. And so uh, the lighthouse keeper used a blowtorch to try and thaw the pipes out. But the building is made out of wood, and I think, well, there's just a danger sometimes. Yeah. So the wood caught fire, but there was no water to put it out because it was all frozen. Lo and behold, the whole, the whole lighthouse burned to the ground. Oh, wow. And um, thankfully nobody, nobody was too, too hurt. The keepers all survived. They actually were able to rescue the lens, and they took shelter in the boathouse and a nearby um, family operating a fox farm in a little island two miles north of the lighthouse noticed the next day that the lighthouse was gone. <laughs> so they braved the winter storm in the sound and scooted their way over there, and, well, they rescued everybody. <laughs> and then um, it was two years from that point that, um, thanks to FDR, you know, post-depression, the, the public works program created by Franklin Delano Roosevelt's New Deal, yeah. um, that provided the funding to rebuild the lighthouse, this time in concrete instead of wood. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's kind of why this lighthouse has a very unique, unique to Alaska art deco kind of concrete construction okay. to just really withstand brutal winter elements and it just has to do with the timing of when it was built. <laughs> um, so then, you know, the Coast Guard in 1939, they absorbed the U.S. Lighthouse Service. So okay. all, all of the lighthouses that were um, being operated by the government got kind of wrapped up into the Coast Guard. So then Coast Guard uh, had a full-time station year-round, Crews of four to six people living in the lighthouse for 365 day long stints, living in, living in close quarters on that little tiny island uh, in all kinds of weather and conditions. And they uh, they took care of the place until 1984, okay. when there was just kind of budget cuts and the the desire to support lighthouses by the Coast Guard kind of shriveled up. Money disappeared, and the Coast Guard decided they're going to just kind of try to automate the light. And um, it was in short order that the lighthouse kind of started deteriorating. Great historical building, but it takes takes care to keep a building in good condition when it's right out there in the absolute yeah. center of the storm all the darn time, you know? Um, so thankfully, a, a nonprofit rose up in Juneau um, and they took responsibility for this lighthouse and a couple of others Okay. and there was a, a great philanthropist and volunteer and lighthouse enthusiast named Ed McIntosh who um, did a lot of great organizing fundraising, grant writing rounding up of volunteers and um, took good care of the lighthouse for a number of years um, Sadly, Ed McIntosh passed a few years back, 
and a number of the other folks who had been the stalwart members of that board of directors moved out of state. And rather than let this lighthouse fall into eternal disrepair, uh, a new nonprofit was formed and took over responsibility and ownership of the lighthouse, and that is the Five Finger Lighthouse Society. And so when did they take over? 2018, I believe it is. Okay. So kind of fresh on the, fresh on the scene um, and putting in tons of volunteer work. You know, the, the Priest Point, that's um, yeah. the Erickson's Crabber. That is a great, great volunteer who's, I, I've heard tell that one of the first projects of this new nonprofit was showing up there with Jeff's boat and using the crane and just hauling off dozens, maybe around 50 rusted old barrels and all kinds of junk oh, and debris. Cleaning, Clean, cleaning everything up, you know. Um, it just takes a lot of work on this tiny little island to keep it nice. So, to circle around to your question there, um, opportunity came up to do a little one-year, uh, one-day volunteer, volunteer party and to join the Lighthouse Society as a member. Nice. I was happy to do that because, um, you know, I'd, like probably many people from this area, I had been in a boat in Frederick Sound looking longingly at Five Finger Lighthouse thinking... Wouldn't it be great someday to set foot on that little island? You know, you, you circle the island and you don't see any moorage or anything like that. It's not exactly easy to just pull up to it. Um, and I just uh, always wanted to. And so then the opportunity arose by just good luck, really. Because um, I hadn't really heard much about the Lighthouse Association yet, or uh, the local Lighthouse Society, and yeah. that it, it is eager for volunteers and very inviting for people to get involved. The whole thing is operated through volunteer work and through generous local donations. That's, that's what allows us to look after this, this treasure. You know, again, the first lighthouse in Alaska, a site registered on the National Registry of Historic Places. It's been out there saving lives and inspiring people for over a century. And I think I'd love to be a part as a community effort to make sure it's standing strong for another century, you know? Nice. So who are some of the people that, um, that if people are interested in joining the Lighthouse Society, who could they get in contact with? Yeah. Well, if you know one of the people on the board, uh, so that's like Paul Johnson, a retired um, ship's engineer and a mechanical genius who is responsible for reviving and rebuilding many of the crucial systems out there, like the solar panel systems and everything else. Um, so Paul Johnson, Thomas Kumps, I believe he's the president of the Lighthouse Society, Jeff Erickson, Sue Erickson, Karen Dillman, Stephanie Hayes, um, I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody, but that's who's on the board, but Anybody and everybody can become a member of the Lighthouse Society, and they really should. If you, uh, if you want to show up there someday, that's the crucial first step is to go to fivefingerlighthouse.com and become a contributing member because it's, it's, what, it's what the Lighthouse needs, you know, the community support to, yeah. to have a long life. 
Uh, and then you can just kind of indicate, hey, I'd be interested in learning more about volunteering. Or even on the members, member page of the website, there's a little box you can click saying, Lighthouse Keeper. <laughs> you know, you click that box and, you know, send an email to fivefingerlighthouseak at gmail.com and say, tell me more about how I can become a lighthouse keeper at Five Finger Lighthouse. And that will get a conversation started, you know. Yeah. It's just volunteer-driven. Anybody who has the time and the, 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 the desire to donate their time and their energy and their presence to taking good care of that place, there's, uh, there's opportunities to be involved. You know, for me, this summer, I um, stepped back from a full-time job in order to dedicate myself to the full-time work of writing my thesis for my graduate degree. So I have a lot of reading and writing to do day and night, really. Yeah. And um, turns out that's something you can do just fine from a remote lighthouse island. So it was a pretty good fit for me to kind of multitask, to spend my days puttering around doing the chores at the lighthouse and, uh, and in between ha- having just quite a perfect little paradise to read a book and flex the imagination, do a little writing. So for me, it was a great, fortunate opportunity for which I'm very, very grateful. Very inspiring place. If you are just joining us, this is Homegrown Conversations, a collaboration between KFSK and the Petersburg Public Library. I'm Kari Peterson. Today I'm talking with Oren Pearson about the Five Finger Lighthouse Society and his time volunteering as lighthouse keeper this summer. Now back to our conversation. And I do have to say, so that first day I was there as a volunteer, just hopping at the opportunity to go check the place out, um, to just not expecting to stay as the lighthouse keeper, but as I explored the island a little bit, gosh, I don't know if I'd ever been quite so taken by a place. The, the plant life, the, the lush flora on that little mountaintop out there, it's really unique. Lots of plant life that I didn't really recognize from elsewhere. Oh. Um, the day that I was there... This beautiful rare orchid had just started blooming on this little bank of moss. Oh wow! Calypso bulbosa, the the Venus slipper orchid, which can only grow in very undisturbed places. I'd never seen a flower quite so um, fragile and exotic as that one growing out in the wild. I was astonished at its kind of allure. And you know, when I'm on the island, I'm the only mammal there. So there's, you know, there's no squirrels, which, okay, I'll tell you, um, I had never, <laughs> I saw the spruce trees there mm-hmm. with their, their boughs bending under the weight of these huge um, clusters of spruce cones. And I was looking at it thinking, what is, what is going on with that tree? And I realized all around Midkoff Island, Every spruce tree that I had ever seen that was growing spruce cones, there were no cones on the tree. And it said there was just a, a pyramid of little <laughs> slivered fragments of a vigorously devoured 
branch full of spruce cones because they're super delicious to squirrels, you know? But there's not a single squirrel on that island, so the tree kept all its spruce cones. Just all these weird little things that are just... It feels like a little Galapagos out in the middle of Frederick Sound. Unique plant life, a rich habitat for nesting birds. And so I was just there for one day, falling in love with the place, sitting on a bench, taking in views that were more inspiring than any views I could remember. And then wandering around inside the lighthouse, I could just feel the ghosts of the place, you know? Down in the kind of in the root cellar, the the rocks that kind of constitute the tip of the mountain that is that that island that plunges deep into the water of Frederick Sound, the little granite summit of the island is what pokes out of the water, and the lighthouse is built right onto those rocks. Foundation is just poured into the jagged granite peak, you know. And uh, the very last Coast Guard crew that ever stayed their full 365 days there had all graffitied up those rocks. (laughs) And so there I was holding a lantern in this haunted root cellar with all these stories just whispering off the rocks to me. And I thought, my goodness, I never want to leave because the place is so captivating. On On one moment, it's absolutely inspiring from its just staggering natural beauty the next moment i just feel ghosts whispering out of every little nook and cranny of the old building you know all the shipwrecks in the water down there you can just feel the stories just heavy in the air yeah and so i thought oh boy i should probably hang out here and try to do my writing so i just kind of weaseled my way in as the lighthouse keeper (laughs) and uh stayed for uh uh, stayed for a month back in town obviously talking to you in the library right now yes. but next week I'm going to go back and stay for another five weeks Wow! and um, I'm just so grateful for the opportunity and, and really glad to be able to help get the word out that here we have this inspiring treasure that as of lately is the responsibility of Petersburg to look after and take good care of Responsibility and great opportunity to just be be a part of history that way out there and to take part in the good work of just nurturing a treasure forever, you know. And um, people can absolutely get involved. If people want to go out there as volunteers on the next work parties and if they want to make a little donation to help the place exist, you know, or... Like, for example, the, the batteries and the solar, the solar power for the place is absolutely on its last legs. It's old, recycled Coast Guard batteries all wired together by Paul's genius, really. <laughs> <clears throat> and, um, but it's in urgent need of repair and replacement. And there's just lots of little ways that every little dollar is put to good use out there. And every little ounce of volunteer strength is... All goes to to build something that's just so valuable, you know? Yeah. So I loved to have the opportunity, but I'm also really grateful to have this opportunity to spread the word about it and get people involved and excited and mystified, you know? Yeah, um, yeah I tell you, it's, it's quite a place. So I didn't realize that people could get a tour of the place if there's a lighthouse keeper. 
Right. That is one of the great um, benefits of having a volunteer keeper out there is uh, if you're out there in the water and you see a flag flapping on the flagpole, that's telling you the volunteers or lighthouse keeper are there at the lighthouse. And as long as the wind isn't too dangerous, dashing your boat to bits or something on the kind of frightening rocks around the lighthouse, um, you know, you can get ashore Put, put your inflatable in and scoot over or whatever the case may be. Have somebody drop you off, take turns, somebody float on the boat and keep an eye on things, whatever the yeah. case may be. But yes, you can come ashore and I, I would love to show people around. Just kind of share the inspiration. You know, the, yeah. place, the place will blow your mind. And so it's, uh, yeah, people are invited to get involved. You know, come visit, but also just make an investment in it, chip in, become donating members. And um, can I take this opportunity to tell you about a, a fundraiser that's coming up? Yeah, please. So this is, <clears throat> this is really exciting. You know, a lot of artists, local artists, around 20 local artists and a few, a few more from further, further out, I suppose, um, have all been creating uh, lighthouse-related works of art. And then coming up in the month of September, there's going to be a month-long silent auction that is going to culminate during the first week of October with a, uh, a showcase of these arts at the Claussen Museum. Wow. And then on the last day of that, I think a couple of the most exciting pieces of art will be kind of held back for, for a live auction and a kind of get-together to celebrate the lighthouse and... Um, take home a little piece of inspiration from it. Like I, I can tell you that while I was out there, I received a request from uh, a wonderful local painter whose art I really adore, but I'll keep it a secret for the time being, but a request to take a bunch of close-up, detailed photos of certain features of the lighthouse. And uh, so I was uh, sending photographs via text message to uh, a local artist who's hard at work making something really special from the lighthouse. So those will be, that'll be a really fun way to, uh, well, to really celebrate the creativity that the Lighthouse inspires. Yeah. And also to chip in some, um, you know, monetary contributions to um, make sure that the Lighthouse has a future. So that's something I'm looking forward to a lot. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, it will be. Yeah. Yeah. Great art, too. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. I was excited to hear about it. So, um, yeah, we'll have to keep our ears open for yeah. more details of that. Absolutely. You know, I, I would expect that if you go to fivefingerlighthouse.com, okay. you'll be able to kind of see the latest news and find links to the live auction come September. Okay. Um, I was, before I ever even went out there, I started following um, Five Finger Lighthouse Society on Instagram. Okay. Uh, because like a lot of lot of the volunteers on the board are talented photographers and have yeah. contributed cool little things there. I know Skipper Erickson is pretty handy with his drone oh, and wow. has got some pretty cool drone footage and, you know, lots of people have captured sightings of whales out there. And, you know, to be honest, I was out there taking tons and tons and tons of photos and video I really love time-lapse videos where you can kind of see the movement of light across the span of a couple hours of the day and see the clouds moving. And uh, 
So I shot some time lapses and I posted those on Instagram. So if people want to see those kind of things, they can um, look up Five Finger Lighthouse Society and follow. And uh, that's a great way to, you know, attach yourself to the existence of this little bit of history and this little tiny mountaintop in the middle of the sound. It's a wonderful place out there. My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So tell me about the whales. There's, surely there must be good whale watching out there. Well, there, there certainly is. <laughs> I, I, I was amazed at how close the whales will come to the island. They like it out there, <laughs> you know? Um, it's, it's a perfectly situated place to be right in the right in the intersection of whale commuters, <laughs> you know. I guess I think it's pretty much true that a, I want to say most of, or at least a very big population of humpback whales that migrate to Hawaii in the winter to mate and give birth, then return to Frederick Sound, particularly the part of Frederick Sound right around Five Finger Lighthouse to do their feeding in the late summer. So right as I was finishing my first month, whales were showing up. And I was pretty excited to see, you know, mothers with calves and solitary kind of rambunctious juveniles breaching out of the water and doing all their fins slapping, making sure the world knows they're, they're <laughs> arriving, just pounding on the door, you know, demanding to be heard. And, uh, and as I was, as June was coming to a close, the whales were starting to kind of congregate as the population was growing. And I feel like in August, it's just going to be unbelievable, you know, dozens and dozens, maybe hundreds of whales out there doing their thing, feasting on the riches of the clean, cold water of Frederick Sound that's just full of life, yeah. you know? And it sustains a huge population of whales out there, which is just so exciting to see. I'm hoping to see bubble net feeding. I've never, never seen that, you know? And I just can't wait to hear the sound of all those whales out there. Can you hear them singing? I've heard some incredible sounds out there, yes. Um, much of the time, my first month especially, it was windy and rainy, day and night, <laughs> uh, which was nice. I didn't get so many visitors, so I got quite a lot of graduate school homework done, I must admit. <laughs> um, but it's a little harder to hear the conversations happening under the water when the wind is blowing and the waves are all splashing everywhere, just kind of drowning out the world. But on those days when it was a little bit more flat, calm, oh, my stars, the things you can hear out there are incredible. There was one night where, you know, that long, golden, midsummer sunset that just stays creating like this orange, silver glow right across the surface of the water all the way up until midnight. And out there in this orange, flat water, there was just countless whales and I think they were sleeping. I think they were just bobbing out there, snoring or something. I could just hear in every direction whales just making all kinds of grunts and gasps. And I didn't hear much splashing. I couldn't see anybody. So I think they're out there just 
floating and sleeping. <laughs> and I could just really hear every little nook and cranny of their civilization. <laughs> and gosh, another day, another calm day, I heard something I'll never forget, which uh, after I heard this, I started just telling myself that Frederick Sound is a pun as well as a geographic location because, gosh, the sounds that you can hear in the middle of Frederick Sound. But, um, you know, so the, the island that the lighthouse is built on goes deep into the water. That's a deep place in Frederick Sound. And so it's just this spike of a mountain that creates a deep slope, and it really forms a mountain valley deep underwater there as the main, mainland comes up the other side. And one night I heard some boisterous whale deep in that mountain valley underwater bellowing these calls and I just heard him echoing back and forth side to side to side off the mountain slopes there under the water and I just sat and listened to the wild deep underwater echo just reverberating and emanating you know the the way the reverb was under the calm water was just a sound that I'll be dreaming about for forever. What an experience. <laughs> it's not a, not a bad one, I tell you. <laughs> for folks out there who like that kind of thing, <laughs> yeah. uh, feel free to get involved with the lighthouse. You know, become volunteers, become members. Come visit this summer in August. You know, if the flag is flying, I'll... I'll show you around. The whales are out there in August, you know. First time I ever went out there, I had some family visiting. And um, I I went out with Captain Ron on a whale-watching trip. And we went out to Frederick Sound, saw more whales than I knew existed in the world, (laughs) and saw the lighthouse just glowing there all mysterious on this tiny little island in the middle of the water and just stared at the lighthouse wishing I could go ashore someday and find out what's inside of that thing. And um, now people can. I'm happy to grant people that wish. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you for joining us today. That is quite the... I'm excited, and now I want to be a member of the... (laughs) Do it. Five Finger Lighthouse Society. Join up, everybody. Just go to fivefingerlighthouse.com. Become a member indicate if you want to be a volunteer sometime if you want to find out more about specific ways to get involved shoot an email to five finger lighthouse ak at gmail.com just all one word five finger lighthouse ak at gmail.com and yeah just inquire you know it's it, it takes a community effort and i'm just so excited that we'll all get more involved and take part it just It's just one more way that we can fall in love with this beautiful place we all share. Yeah. Well, thank you, Oren. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us today. This has been Homegrown Conversations, a collaboration between KFSK and the Petersburg Public Library. Today's show will be archived as a podcast on the library's website at www.psglib.org and there will be a link at kfsk.org as well. Thank you to KFSK and the Friends of Petersburg Libraries for making today's show possible.